Well, we're all a winner whenever we get to chat with Brian Kilmeade. Uh, Brian Kilmeade is a, um, a, a really the hardest working man in broadcasting. I used to say in broadcasting, but he's in print. He's every, He's in doing live stage shows. He's everywhere. Uh, he's like um, Roy Kent. Uh, he's a New York Times bestselling author. He's the co-anchor of Fox and Friends, host of a very popular nationally syndicated radio talk show, one of the most listened to radio talk shows in the entire country. Very pleased to welcome back Brian Kilmeade. Hello there, Brian. Frank, nice to uh, nice to hear from you. We're all set, ready to go. Uh, it's been the crazy three days. How many times have we said this over the last maybe five years? Uh, this is unprecedented. Yeah. We've never it, seen anything like this. Yeah, exactly. I mean, here we are. Uh, that We are uh, in 1923 territory all over again. And M- Michael Goodwin, who's a regular on your show, and I, I love the interviews that you have with him, uh, whenever he's on with you, he was on with John Katsimatidis last night, and he gave his two cents on what's delaying the uh, vote for Speaker and these sort of 20 anti-McCarthyite Republicans. This was Michael Goodwin from the New York Post. I think now is the time for Republicans to stop the nonsense. Uh, I think they're embarrassing themselves, and I think they're creating a, a, the impression that they don't know how to govern and that uh, maybe voters made a mistake in electing them because they're not putting their new majority to good use. They can't seem to get out of square one. I mean, they can't even bring the, bring the Congress into being because you have to elect a speaker so that the members can be sworn in. So it's a, it's a mess. Do you agree, Brian, with what Goodwin said there, that the Republicans are sending a poor message to their country about the ability they have to govern? Yes, yeah, see, I, I don't mind the debate, but there's no real debate. It's, I don't want Kevin. Well, what we'll, we'll, about it. I just don't want him. He's this one. Really? He was good enough to be a minority leader. Who else do you want? Uh, Jim Jordan. Well, Jim Jordan doesn't want it. Well, who else do you want? Byron Donalds. Well, he doesn't really want it either. So what about Kevin? Uh, no, he's a problem. Well, why? Well, we want to build up the border. We want to cut the spending. Uh, we want to investigate Hunter Biden. Okay, doesn't Kevin McCarthy do that? Yes, but um, you know we want to. We don't want Kevin. Okay, well who do you want? Byron Donalds. Excuse me. He he says he'll take it, but he doesn't want it. This guy was good enough to lead. I understand there was some controversy uh, first time around with his comments about Hillary Clinton, and he lost some momentum there. And they said, okay, we're going to go with Paul Ryan who was looked at as a star for what he did in the Simpson-Bowles report and looked at as great. Uh, he wanted to be, He always wanted to be chair, a chair of Ways and Means. He didn't want to be Speaker. Mm-hmm. He was not good at it. He actually resigned and held the job for a year and a half, which did more damage to Donald Trump than anything else, as well as not negotiating hard uh, to get a budget together that would have financed the wall, a wall we all know we needed. Why would we be raising, putting razor wire on storage containers at the border if we didn't think a barrier was necessary? But what I'm, I'm stunned at, you know, Matt, Matt Gates walking around. Yeah, I don't want Kevin McCarthy. I'll never vote for him. Uh, other people just walk, you know, Lauren Boebert smiling on camera. Yeah, I made demands. Well, what are your demands? Well, I, I'm not really going to say them here. So on Sean Hannity and Mark Levin and others are saying you're making no sense. And you realize he's not talking about the squad. He's talking about lawmakers who want to preen and don't want to don't want to legislate 
So your contention essentially is that um, all of these folks that are up there, the 20, 20 folks that are raising objections to McCarthy and who appear, appear to have gotten a lot of concessions on many of the rules changes they were looking for anyway, your your contention is they really don't have much of a point to begin with. They should get over themselves and just vote to elect a speaker. Frank, exactly, and here's the deal. You're not talking about 50-50. You're talking about everybody except 20. You're talking about over 200 people say Kevin's a guy over and over again. And 19 uh, say no. One says, I'll abstain. Victoria Sports says, I just want to move the process. Ken Buck says, I, you know, I'm going to vote for I'm going to vote for McCarthy, but uh, at one point we've got to cut a deal. With, with who? So I watched Chip Roy hop on a special report last night, and it was the first time I saw somebody say, listen, I'm going to go back and – and he's a congressman from Texas, and he's voting against Kevin McCarthy. He says, but I'm going to go back, and, and what I'm going to vote on is I want at least four members basically admitted. He wants four members of the Freedom Caucus on the Rules Committee because he wants 72 hours to debate anything that passes. He wants fiscal issues uh, to be part of um, any type of debate. He doesn't want anything coming down the pike that he can't uh, be able to read first. And, and the only way to do that is to get on the Rules Committee, which is not the sexiest committee to get on, but it's one of the most powerful and impactful. Okay. Good. Uh, that's a debate. We're going to go back in, and if Kevin McCarthy comes out and goes, I will not do that. Okay, that's a debate. But right now, Kevin McCarthy's like, listen, I've given in on these demands. Well, what are the demands? Well, I've done on five people can object to the fact that I'm doing a bad job and can get rid of me. Okay? I agree to that. On the Rules Committee, yeah, I've agreed to certain things on the Rules Committee. Uh, I've done everything they've asked me to do. I went with Congressman Fitzpatrick last night out of Pennsylvania. I was going back and forth with him. He met for six hours with him. And they said they keep on, and Matt Walt said, Mike Walt said the same thing. They keep on changing the goalposts. So we walk out of a meeting, and we walk out, and then we come back, and go, well, no, we, we've changed that. And they want more, and they want more. And, and for us on the outside, we go, what exactly do you want? And, and the thing is, you're not dealing with Nancy Pelosi. These are people on your team, and my analogy, I feel, think, still stands. Can you imagine if before the Jets played one game, they're in the locker room about to play their very first real game, and – they're trying to vote on a captain, and it ends up in a brawl. And the Giants are waiting in the locker room, waiting on the field, going, can we play? Uh, listen, let's just play. You know, can we? And no, no, no we got to pick a captain first. And then they decide to have their brawl in front of 77,000 people at MetLife. And, and the Giants are just sitting there on the other side of the field going, what is going on? How could you not pass this? How could you not settle this before the first snap? And Kevin McCarthy, this is what I criticize him for. And Nancy Pelosi made sense. He said, I would never bring something out if I didn't have right. the votes. Right. Kevin McCarthy has done the same thing six times in a row. What's going on? So it sounds like in the Kilmeade playbook, there's room to blame both McCarthy for, I don't know, poor gamesmanship here and for the anti and the anti-McCarthyites for not necessarily fighting for anything except being anti-Kevin. He, exactly. So, you know, you, you, Andy Biggs lasted a day. Jim Jordan said, I told you over and over again, I just nominated Kevin McCarthy. Do not nominate me. So that lasted a day. And then they go, let's go with Byron Donalds. Byron Donalds has a lot of talent, and I think his star has risen, and people know who he is now. Great. And I like him. But Byron Donalds only been there for two years. Mm -hmm. don't, don't you have any respect for the position? Don't you understand that you need some experience to do it? Because it's not just what... Brian Kilmeade and Frank Morano want, how do you get it done? So what you do as a speaker, you got to consolidate opinion. You got your moderates, you got your extreme conservatives, you got your uh, maybe you got some guys 
some blue dog Democrats on on the left that can help you out with some legislation. You got to right. Got to build coalitions, especially with yeah. a, a majority this uh, this narrow. A lot of I'm sure you hear it on your show, and uh, I know I've heard it the last two days. A lot of our listeners are rooting for these 20 anti-McCarthyites because a lot of the rhetoric that they're uh, they're putting out there about ending business as usual, about not having Washington continue the end, endless spending, about uh, sending money to Ukraine while our own border is not secure, that kind of thing, it really resonates with folks. And someone who I thought was actually trying to appeal directly to you, given your interests and your scholarship, was Congressman Scott Perry when he was nominating on, I think, the fifth or the sixth ballot. This is what Scott Perry said yesterday. Now, as my colleagues probably know, the first black members of Congress to serve in this body were Republicans, were Republicans. As a matter of fact, you probably also know that Frederick Douglass, who went and worked with Abraham Lincoln to emancipate the people of color in this country, said he would never be anything but a Republican, would never be anything but a Republican. You've got a book out about Frederick Douglass doing very well, but that didn't win you over. Uh, we already know uh, Frederick Douglass is a Republican. Why would you be a Democrat? I mean, Democrats fought to keep slavery intact. Uh, Democrats were the one that had segregation. Uh, Democrats wanted to make sure there were black and white uh, water fountains and, and bathrooms and uh, to the back of the bus. Uh, in the 60s, that flipped historically. But Frederick Douglass, of course, Abraham Lincoln was a, was a Republican. Booker T. Washington, uh, for the most part, was a Republican. So these are great black leaders. But this is what bothers me. You like Byron Donalds because he's smart, he's fearless, he's tough. You like his story. But why do you bring up that he's black? I, you know, you might want to bring up in retrospect, if I'm doing a 60 Minutes profile, you know, as an African-American, let's see where you grew up. Let's talk about what your parents did and what your aspirations were. Okay. But just say, listen, he's a young star in Florida, uh, a state that's turned bright red, and who's coming up showed great leadership and savvy and confidence. And, oh, you know, oh, yeah, by the way, but basically you're saying, I'm nominating him because he's black. And I didn't like that speech. And, by the way, Scott Perry, write something down. You're all over the place. Compare that to Mike Gallagher. Compare that to Jim Jordan. You know, Aguilar on the left who keeps nominating Keem Jeffries six times is very good in doing it. Keem Jeffries is out of attributes. They've actually gone, <laughs> they're going, listen, did you do anything in seventh grade that we could bring up? Because <laughs> they're trying to bring up things about Hakeem Jeffries and then nominate him into a flourish. So, you know, I, I just thought I'm just extremely frustrated. And I have to keep reminding myself that these people are on the same team. You mentioned Ken Buck and uh, the fact that uh, he has been with McCarthy in all six of the votes thus far. He was on uh, CNN yesterday is what he said. Well, I've had a number of conversations with Kevin and and just basically told him that at some point this needs to break loose. Uh, He either needs to uh, make a deal that bring the uh, 19 or 20 over or uh, he needs to step aside and give somebody else a chance to do that. Yeah, with the understanding that you don't think the the twenty holdouts are doing the right thing here, do you think that someone like Steve Scalise might end up being a consensus candidate that the twenty never McCarthyites and the mainline Republicans could end up rallying behind when uh, Congress reconvenes at noon today and actually put an end to this? You brought up a good point, and that is what CNN was saying yesterday. 
but we want Steve, Steve Scalise. You do? Okay. Steve Scalise says, no, I want Kevin McCarthy. So if you kick out Kevin McCarthy, there's no difference between Steve Scalise. He's got a better personality, and certainly every, he made a national name for himself when he struggled for his life after mm. being shot, almost shot to death on the field. And, uh, you know, standing ovation on both sides, and he deals with pain on a daily basis. But basically, it's like, I, I just don't like Kevin McCarthy, uh, but don't think you're getting anything different than Steve Scalise. When you become speaker, you got to make deals, and you got to consolidate various opinions, and you got to be able to tell uh, Chip Roy, I need you to agree with Brian Fitzpatrick of Pennsylvania, and I know you disagree on certain things, and Brian Fitzpatrick voted up on the omnibus bill. But guess what? If I'm speaker, I represent both them. Uh, I have to get both them. So Steve Scalise is almost exactly like Kevin McCarthy. So Chip Roy was asked by uh, Brett Baer, who was brilliant last night in breaking down what Chip Roy wanted and got him actually to get some specific, said, okay, you know all those deals that Kevin McCarthy agreed to already? Yes. Did Byron Donalds agree with this? He goes, oh, I don't know. You don't know. So you're willing to go back to zero and back to before the debate even began to just put anyone up there except Kevin McCarthy who you never spoke out against prior to this, who we find out there's a anti-Kevin caucus when it turns out to be a slight majority. So Steve Scalise could be the guy, but it's Frank. It's like if you and you and uh, Curtis Sliwa, you know, Curtis wants to be the man, uh, the most <laughs> popular guy at WABC, and you want to be the second most popular. But if somehow Curtis Sliwa was forced to give up his mantle as most popular, the question is, would Frank work up there and say, I'd like to run for most popular, even though I was totally content at second most popular. So so give me your, your best prediction. Will step up and campaign for it? Give me your best prediction on what happens today and how this whole thing ends. Well, I think they made progress. I'm reading between the lines here, and then I heard Kevin McCarthy say last night, we're making progress, but I'm not going to have a vote last night at about 11. So I think they're making progress, and I think today's the day. I, I bet you McCarthy gets it today, and I do think that if he comes back and there's one more vote at 20 and there's no movement, uh, then it's likely going to be Donald's or, or uh, Steve Scalise, unless Scalise insists he doesn't want it, uh, which is— Oh, you think, Donald's, not, you think Donald's could actually have a shot at getting elected speaker? Uh, especially if Steve, if Steve Scalise says no, I, I think it's Donald's. Wow. And, you know, and that's interesting, but I was going to say this. Look at uh, everybody out there, Cori Bush, with this ridiculous congresswoman, this joke of a lawmaker who was nothing but a crazy activist from Ferguson who still says to fund the police, came out and basically called Byron Donaldson Uncle Tom and said uh, he's uh, basically a house slave in her tweets about him. And to Donald's credit, he didn't go back and didn't get uh, called him a prop. Uh, here's the exact uh, quote. He is a prop. Despite being black, he supports a policy agenda intent on upholding and perpetuating white supremacy. His name uh, being in the mix is not progress. It's pathetic. But Donald's came back and said, nobody asked Cori Bush her opinion on the matter. Before you judge my agenda, let's have a debate over the policies and the, out- and the outcomes. Until then, don't be a crab in a barrel. That's a very measured approach back. But I would love to see people come and just rip her to shreds because she's not worthy of the position of the people she represents should be embarrassed. 
Yeah, in Kentucky yesterday, we saw President Biden get together with uh, Republican Senate leader Mitch McConnell at uh, an event celebrating the bipartisan infrastructure bill. He was Joe Biden. I'm especially happy to be here with my friend and colleague in many years, and I might add, uh, longest serving leader in the United States Senate, Senator Mitch McConnell. I asked permission if I could say something nice about him. I didn't want to. I said I, I campaigned for him or against him, whichever helped him most. But uh. hey, uh, what do you think the collegiality, the public collegiality? Because we know obviously those guys know one another for for literally decades and have seemed to get along. But what do you think the public collegiality suggests about what the next two years of government are like in Washington? That's a great uh, great question. I don't know what he gets out of the House. I don't know what he gets done. I think investigations are going to emerge. The border security bills are going to be pushed. For some reason, Mitch McConnell doesn't seem to care about the border, which is, to me, insane. He doesn't really bring it up ever. He doesn't use that leverage. He was perfectly okay to sign off on $1.8 billion to build a wall that needs uh, 25 or $35 billion to finish, which he was voting for all this way. Uh, I... I I think that, you know, he is thinking about in two years being in the majority leader and then having a Republican president. So I think he'll get tougher. But where he what he was doing yesterday is almost like the 1970s and 80s. And that is we're in the minority. Thanks to January 5th, not 6th, because you blew the two Georgia elections and weren't able to win it back again. But in the infrastructure bill, they got over 10 Republicans. Why? Because they lost. The elect the Senate, but they wanted to get some infrastructure done. So to get some bipartisan buy-in, because you only use reconciliation twice, he, they said, okay, what do you need? And he said, I need this bridge. And Senator Portman says, I need this, and I need that. And some Republicans weighed in, 10 of them. They all got something. But for the most part, Democrats got, got two-thirds. But they have the majority, because of the vice president, and they have the majority in the House. And they have the president. So they decided, let's get something because we do need infrastructure, airports and things. But just know that Donald Trump's infrastructure bills, and there were multiple, and part of the reason they didn't get them is because this this hoax, Russia hoax. Every time something happened on Infrastructure Week, some Russia revelation would come out and nobody would be talking about infrastructure. But Donald Trump's was bigger and had more spending in it, and it wasn't paid for so you can't come out and say well, Republicans never would have done that. I, they actually pitched it. I don't know if they would have gotten through Republicans. I, I imagine it would have. So he said, uh, you know, Mitch McConnell got something. Said if you're going to build a bridge from Kentucky to Ohio, Senator Portman's going to be there. Now he's retired, and I'll go. So that's the way it used to be. A lot of people mm. were afraid to for the semantics. But two years out, Frank, that's why you could do it. Two years out, he wouldn't do it next year. Well, it's going to be interesting to see what happens today and uh, and for the next week and for the next two years. Uh, Brian Kilmeade, it's always a treat to talk with you. It's been great uh, great fun watching your analysis on Fox uh, in between all these endless votes on the speaker. I'm looking forward to seeing more of it today. Thanks. We've got uh, Kurt Volker coming on, Michael Waltz, uh, Mark Thiessen, and most likely Brian Fitzpatrick. So we'll be writing this story uh, leading up to the big vote at noon. And you will sleep till noon and get up and find That's out right. if those 20 people are still going to vote against Kevin McCarthy. And, and you got to ask Fitzpatrick. A lot of people are talking about him as one of these bipartisan unity candidates for speaker. Uh, Ro Khanna uh, told uh, your yeah. colleague Neil Cavuto that he listed him specifically as one of the Republicans that he could vote for to be the next speaker, actually. 
Uh, it'll be, be interesting. interesting. I know a lot of like if you think if you think they're upset with Kevin McCarthy, <laughs> Matt Gaetzel, his, his head will get even bigger and it'll explode uh, on the House floor if that. If they That's for sure. Uh, Brian Kilmeade, check him out on Fox and Friends, and then uh, be sure to catch, uh, catch him at uh, 10 a.m. here on uh, WABC and around the country for all three hours of his uh, terrific nationally syndicated radio show. Fifteen seconds of fame in a moment. 800-848-9222. 800-848-9222. Straight ahead. The Other Side of Midnight. Midnight.